We are beginning a brand new series uh, that's going to last just two weeks, two-week series called All I Want for Christmas. We're going to be talking in this series um, specifically about Christmas, but really beyond Christmas and uh, into our everyday normal lives uh, about our wants, our desires, the things that we uh, aspire for, the things that we cherish, the things that we sometimes envy and uh, become jealous of. Uh, We all have these desires and those desires grow. And uh, we're going to talk about the expectations that go along with those desires and uh, the disappointments that come from not seeing the desires fulfilled. And ultimately, we're going to talk about some hidden blessings uh, that sometimes are come our way in the form of something that we didn't think we wanted, uh, but turns out that, that God knows us better than we know ourselves. Amen? Um, how many of you are finished with your Christmas shopping already? We got one. That's awesome. I'm not alone. I feel good. I feel like I'm with my people right now. How many of you are going to be out on Christmas Eve saying, why did I wait so long? No one's open. Huh? A couple of us? Got to get creative. See, that's where the best juices flow is when you're under pressure. And um, how many of you have Christmas lists that you've made or that you've received from someone you love? Yeah, Christmas lists. How many of you have asked someone in your family, a friend, someone that you're close to, what do you want for Christmas? Ask that question. We ask that question a lot, don't we? Let me segue for a second here. When I was growing up and we had birthday parties, the gifts all went to the kid that had a birthday. Now that I'm a parent, times have changed. Have you noticed this? When we first threw a party for our oldest son, my wife told me that we had to buy gifts for everyone that was coming to the party. And I was like, whoa, whoa, what are we, what are we talking about here? And she said, well, it's like a, like a party favor. You're just thanking them for coming and that kind of thing. And at first, I'm telling you, I was like, no, I'm not buying gifts for some other kid on my kid's birthday. They should be bringing my kid gifts. Um, but I've been thinking a lot lately. Um, I love when it's my birthday and it's all about me, and people ask me what I want. And sometimes I get a little, I don't want to say jealous, but I get a little uncomfortable when I see other people on my special day getting things that I desired and wanted. And I've just wondered this Christmas season, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but uh, this Christmas season I've even been asked, what do you want for Christmas? And it's not my birthday. Have you thought about that? We are accustomed in our culture to giving people gifts on someone else's birthday. And the greatest birthday that's ever taken place is celebrated by millions of people. And sometimes the birthday boy is left out. So let's, let's do this. Please know this. This is not a sermon about how you should not give gifts on Christmas. Okay. <laughs> In fact, if you want to know my Christmas list, please come and see me afterwards. Okay? It's a little spendy. It's a little spendy. That's why it's, I'm calling it a wish list. Uh, but you're more than welcome to buy me things. I will receive them gladly. Um, this isn't a series about not wanting things. This isn't a series about not giving gifts on Christmas. This isn't like a bah humbug. Uh, it's Jesus Day, which it is, and you can't have any fun. It's not that serious. Okay? Give gifts. Love the people that you love. Bless them. But I'm just saying in the midst of that, for the next couple of weeks, let's just kind of focus our minds and say, 
It's Jesus' birthday. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was sent to the earth, and we celebrate that on Christmas Day. And we celebrate the hope that he brought to humanity, and it should be a time where we at least take some some minutes together with the ones we love and maybe say a prayer and wish Jesus a happy birthday and thank him for all that he's done for us and all that he continues to do for us and for the hope that we've found through his birthday and how it impacts our lives. But we ask the question, don't we, what do you want for Christmas? And when you're asked the question, what do you want for Christmas, and you tell someone what you want for Christmas, what follows the request? An expectation. Surely, if you ask me what I want, and I tell you what I want, when it comes time for me to open the gift, what I want will be inside. That's what we expect, right? How many of you have ever received a gift when you've told someone exactly what you wanted, and you opened the gift, and it wasn't there? How many of you have ever asked someone, what do you want, and you're just like... I don't think that that's a good gift, so I'm going to give them something else. And you were proud of the gift that you gave them, and you thought, what I'm giving you is better than what you wanted. Because what you wanted was just, was just not up to par with my level of gift giving. And so you went to a lot of trouble, you spent a lot of money, you did a lot of great things, and you gave a gift, and the response that you got was far from what you expected as the giver of that gift. See, when we say we want something, what follows is an expectation that we'll receive what we want. Expectations are great. I think as followers of Jesus that there should be a high level of expectation in your life. When you say prayers to the king of the universe, you should expect that he'll hear your prayers. You should expect that he'll answer your prayers. You should expect him to move on your behalf. You should expect God to show up in your life in times when you need him most. You should expect God to be with you when times are good. You should expect a lot as a believer in Jesus Christ. But when it comes to earthly desires, many times what follows an earthly desire is a feeling of, I deserve this. Because I told you what I wanted, and now that I feel like I deserve it, I expect to receive it. Now, be truthful here. How many of ever, ever in your life, admit it, please admit it, you have practiced the response that you're going to get when you give a gift because you know it's not going to be what you want, and you want to look like you're happy, you don't want to offend someone? Has anyone ever like stood in front of a mirror and been like, Oh, I love it. And you know that you're going to get that gift. Anybody? A couple of us? One of the worst things that we can do as receivers of gifts is offend the giver when they put time and energy and resources into the gift. But let's just be honest. Some people give bad gifts. Some people try. They work really hard, but they just don't give good gifts. And I learned many years ago from a bad gift that I gave a young lady that it is best to give people what they say they want instead of what you want them to have. So in this series, we're going to talk about desires. What do you want for Christmas? What do you want in life beyond this season and beyond the gifts that you're going to receive in the next few weeks? What do you want in life? What do your desires look like Next week, we're going to talk about those desires more specifically. 
and how they fit into our lives and how the closer that we grow with Jesus, the more our desires change. But today, I want to kind of jump into a portion of the Christmas story as I was studying the past week or so. I kind of saw some scripture in a different light, and, and I want us today to see how God moves on our behalf, and sometimes he doesn't give us what we want. But he is the ultimate giver of gifts. And he doesn't give bad gifts. And sometimes we receive something from God that we don't expect. And our initial reaction is to resist the gift. To say, I didn't expect this. I didn't want this. This wasn't a desire of mine. I didn't think it would look like this. I didn't think it would play out like this. Why did you give me this? And in the midst of that gift, we later realize that God is the greatest giver of gifts ever, and he knows far more about us than we know about ourselves. And in the end, the gifts that he gives are great gifts for us that are life-changing, that are life-giving, and that are eternal. So let's jump into Luke chapter number 1, starting in verse number 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. What a blessing. What an introduction showing up in your life. The Lord has looked on you with favor. But Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She hears the words, but she's like, something doesn't feel right. She was troubled by the blessing. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Congratulations, you're going to have a child. Now Mary is engaged to be married, but she's not married yet. She has plans to be married. She has expectations that will be met when she's married. But this angel is telling her, you're going to have a child. And it's a confusing blessing. It's a gift that she doesn't understand. It was something that she didn't expect. So she asked, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was raised to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I love that. Nothing is impossible with God. Mary initially was taken back. She was confused. She was troubled. She didn't understand what she was hearing. She was told something that didn't measure up to her expectations for her stage of life. So her response is pretty remarkable in verse 38. She says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. She came to terms with, I'm going to be the mother of the Son of God. Just a, just a brief moment she came to terms with that. God, is this, if this is what you're giving me, I'll accept it. But her initial reaction was shock, was confusion, was to be troubled. Now, I've never really, I've read this before, but I've never really thought about it. Look at verse 39. 
At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. She hears news from an angel. Congratulations, the Lord's looked on you with favor. You're going to be a mom. How can that be? I'm still a virgin. That doesn't make any sense. Well, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. Don't worry about the logistics. Just know that you're going to raise the Son of God. His kingdom will never end. And then she leaves town. Look at verse number 56. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Never thought about this. She leaves for three months. She's away from Joseph for three months. She gets the news that she's going to receive a gift that she didn't necessarily ask for, but it's a gift that I assume she wanted. Now, check with me here. She's engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. Joseph's a carpenter. He's great with his hands. He's, he's a man's man. He likes to build things. And she, no doubt, felt secure with him. She fell in love with this man. They had dreams of the life that they would live together. And I can just imagine a conversation at some point in their relationship that they had when Joseph looks at Mary and says, do you want to have kids? Do you want to be a mom? How many kids do you want to have? How many, how many kids do, do we want to raise in our family? And I can just imagine them dreaming about the desire that they had to have kids and the conversations that would have surrounded that. She probably wanted to be a mom. She probably wanted kids. She probably dreamed about it. She probably loved the idea. But when she received news that God was going to make her a mom, she resisted it immediately. I think she probably wanted to be a mom, but the news that she was going to be a mom in a way that she didn't expect took her, took her aback. It was shocking. It troubled her. But she said, I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be as you say. But then she leaves town for three months. She's like, I can't tell Joseph about this. After three months, she returns home. After three months, a woman is finished with her first trimester. And what is true of most women after the first trimester is they begin to show. This was news that she had received that Joseph was going to have to immediately be confronted with. There's going to be no time to process it. Can you imagine her showing up, knocking on Joseph's door after not being with him for three months and him noticing, whoa, you've been gone for three months and something is different. Surprise! You're going to be a dad? No, I'm not going to be a dad. Um, what's going on? Let's jump to Matthew chapter 1. And let's see some of Joseph's side of this, starting in verse number 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. 
Hey, honey, I'm back. What is this? Well, um, see, what had happened was uh, an angel came to me, and um, I'm pregnant. I'm going I'm to have a baby, but don't worry. There's no other man involved. And his response would be the response of most of us. It's impossible for you to have a child unless there's a father. And I know that I'm not the father. And we're not married yet. And things aren't looking good. But I tell you what, because I'm a nice guy. And I don't want to expose you to humiliation. Out of the kindness of his heart, he planned to divorce her quietly. Not expose her to public shame and disgrace. Now, they've had conversations, I would imagine, about being parents. About the kids that they wanted to raise. What would the names be? You know, what would they do for them? What would their home look like? And now they're getting not only a child, but the perfect child. Right? I imagine this child, like, was incredibly easy to raise because it was God probably never got sick I don't know maybe got sick slept through the night from week one fed himself a bottle changed his own diet I don't know perfect child you want to be a parent being the parent to Jesus is like dream come true dream come true I mean but not when it comes in a way that you don't expect. It's hard to receive something that's rooted in false expectations or unmet expectations. When something happens in a way that you don't think it's going to happen, it doesn't feel like something you wanted. Because those expectations aren't met. So Joseph resisted and he said, this isn't happening, I'm not going to raise this kid. In fact, I'm not going to be with you. This is a deal breaker. And he planned to leave her. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So now God is revealing to him the same truth that he's revealed to Mary months earlier. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And here it is. Watch this. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. This blows my mind. We read these stories in Scripture and we just assume that it happened in such a fantasy-like manner that we can't put ourselves in that situation. But you get engaged to get married and you talk about the dreams you have to be a parent and your future wife comes home pregnant, three months pregnant. She's showing like she's pregnant. And you're expected just to believe that this is the Son of God? 
How in the world could you believe that? Except God himself revealed himself to Joseph, to Mary. The greatest gift that's ever been given was given through a couple who no doubt probably had dreams to be parents, but had received the gift of the greatest child to ever live on this earth in such an unexpected way. It's like opening a gift on Christmas Day and being like, ah, what is it? That's great. And you're just waiting, you know, like, they're going to jump in and tell me what this is and why they gave it to me at some point. Some of you have given gifts and you got that reaction and you immediately said, that's really expensive. That costs this amount of money. And then they were like, oh, okay. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. I get it now. This was a gift that had to be explained. This wasn't a gift that was obvious. And in your life and in my life, sometimes God gives us gifts that aren't obvious. That when we receive those gifts, we're confronted with feelings that don't line up with expectations that were based on things that we wanted. God, I've prayed to you for this. I've dreamed about this. I've desired that. In fact, I feel like I deserve that because I've made it clear to you exactly what I want. But what you've given me doesn't line up with those expectations. And we've got to learn to take a step back and examine the gifts that God gives us with a different lens. We've got to be able to decipher the gift through the eyes of the giver. Here's a couple of truths that I want to share with you. In the presence of expectations, gratitude is minimized. In the presence of expectations, gratitude is minimized. When you receive something that you expected to receive, you aren't as grateful for it as you would have been if you received it without telling someone that you wanted it, right? Because you expected it. You've all had like the Christmas, all the gifts, you've opened them all, and you had that one thing that you wanted, that one thing. And when all was said and done, you had great gifts, but you didn't have that one thing. And you left Christmas with your family a little bummed, a little frustrated, a little down. You got some great things, but you didn't get what you expected. And you're not even grateful for the other things because the expectations that you had weren't met. And when you do receive what you expected, it's because you deserved it. Many times we feel that way. And I often wonder in the things that we speak to God about, the things that we express to Him as desires, the things that we pray for, which become expectations. I often wonder how grateful we are for the gifts that God truly does give us. The gifts that we overlook, the things that we forget about because we're expecting something different. We many times miss what God's already given us. I want to encourage you this Christmas season as you go about giving gifts and receiving gifts, exchanging gifts, to remember that some of the greatest gifts you'll ever receive are unexpected gifts or gifts that are given in a way that you didn't expect. And I want us to begin to search for the blessings in our lives that may exist outside of our desires. 
and to begin to see that even when our desires aren't met, even when the things that we thought we wanted weren't met, there are things in our life that absolutely are gifts from God, that are blessings from God, that I challenge you to examine your life and make a list. So we have a a wish list. We have a Christmas list. We have a, a want list. These are my desires. But oftentimes we forget to make a list that says these are the things God's already given me. And these are things that I can be grateful for. And for Mary and Joseph, there was an expectation to be parents, but it was years down the road. And when God gave them this incredible gift, the greatest gift that could ever be given to them, their initial reaction was to shun it, was to be troubled by it, was to resist it. Because they didn't know what was being given to them. And sometimes we don't know what God gives us because we haven't taken the time to examine the gifts that he's already placed in our lives. And the gifts that he's placed in our lives are overshadowed by the things that we desire outside of our lives. But we'll never be fulfilled by things outside of our lives until we learn to be fulfilled by things that are already in our lives. Then when we become grateful for what we already have, we'll be able to see what he gives us in the future through a different lens. Here's a second truth. What you expect can ruin, can ruin what you do receive. Expectations can ruin blessings. Expectations can ruin blessings. When you have your heart set, when you have your mind set, when you have your emotions surrounded by something that you want, that you desire, it's very easy to overlook the gifts that you have. For me, every year of my life, it's been a four-wheeler. My parents never gave me a four-wheeler. It was always number one on my list. And every year, I kept thinking, they're going to say, come on, let's go outside around back. Got one more gift, but nope. (laughs) I got the cowboy boots, and I got the video games, but I never got a four-wheeler. And I always thought, this might be the year that they'll actually give me what I want. But nope. Hadn't happened. Didn't get this cell phone when all my friends had cell phones. All I wanted was a cell phone. Got enough sweaters, got enough shoes, don't need the socks. I want a cell phone, no cell phone. (laughs) This is not difficult. I know that there's an ongoing bill, and it'll feel like you're giving me Christmas all year round, but give me a break here. Have you ever felt that way, though? Like, not about Christmas, but about life. Like, I just need a break, God, seriously. This is all I want. Is it too much to ask? We use the phrase, all I want for Christmas, in the context of everything else doesn't matter. This is all I want. Please, like, hear me. Clearly, I'm expressing to you my deepest desires. I'm making it very clear how to make me happy, how to fulfill my desires. If you purchase this for me and give it to me, things will be good between us. So stop trying to think what would be a great gift. You don't have to think to be a good gift giver. You just have to listen. And don't we try that with God? Hmm? Santa in the sky. I've been good this year. I've behaved. I've been nice. All I want for Christmas, all I want in life, fill in the blank. And that 
mentality can ruin the gifts that he wants to give us. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you've thought about this. But God's role in the universe, this is shocking, is not to make you happy. It's not to give you everything you want. It's not to give you all you want. I know that's disappointing. Some of you may be like, whoa, that's what I signed up for. But it's just not true. God doesn't sit up in heaven like, hey, angels, come on. Right down there. What's he really want, though? Like, what can we give him that's really going to make him happy? Like, best gift ever kind of thing. What's it going to be? He doesn't have those meetings. You know what he does? He looks down and he says, man, I love them. You know what they could use? This is going to make their life so much better. And he freely gives us gifts that we don't deserve. That we didn't even know that we wanted. That we couldn't think of if we had a million years to think of it. Because he knows the beginning from the end. He knows the end of our life before our life ever even began. And when he looks at you, he sees what you need. And he gives you things that you desire for, but he does it sometimes in a context that we don't quite understand. But if we'll be honest and look back over our life, even the heartaches, even the disappointments, we can see how God used them to make us who we are today and to position us in such a way that we can receive things from him that he desires to give us. I don't want you to think about all I want for Christmas as a single greatest request that you could possibly give to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and say, God, this is all I want for Christmas. But rather, I want you to surrender all that you want for Christmas to him and just say, God, being honest here, I would love this. To me, this just makes sense. This would really help me. This would be great for me. It would bring lots of joy to my life. But you know what? You know me better than I know myself. And while this doesn't work with grandmother, and this doesn't work with my aunt and uncle, I'm going to tell you that you can just give me what you want to give me. And I'm going to learn to be grateful for it. And I think that if we can take that approach to a relationship with God, then we'll find greater fulfillment than we've ever found in our relationship. Here's a last truth for you. Expectations are desires that turn into demands. Expectations are desires that turn into demands. We are so passionate about things that we expect that we begin to demand them. You know, believe me, just ask, ask Mark Rick. Sometimes we get so passionate about things that we expect that we begin to demand things because we feel like we deserve them. We're passionate people. We have desires. And we begin to say, I won't settle for less than this. And until this happens, I won't be content. I won't have peace. I won't receive joy. 
So this is the hinge point. It's the leverage point of my life finding fulfillment. And if that hinge point is anything other than Jesus Christ, you will be disappointed in this life. Period. Because there is not one single thing on this earth, materially speaking, relationally speaking, that will ever bring fulfillment to your life in the place that Jesus was designed to fill. And when we allow ourselves to surrender our expectations that are rooted in our desires, we'll begin to find fulfillment in life. You're going to be busy the next few weeks. You've got Christmas parties to go to. You've got functions to go to. There's events. You've got lots of shopping to do. There's lots of busyness. Then you're going to go from family to family. And in all of that, you're going to have a lot of expectations. And those expectations, if you're being honest with yourself, are desires that have grown into demands. And I want to challenge you now, before you get into the throw of all of this, to go home and just say, what are my expectations in life? What do I really expect? It's because I'm demanding desires that I'm expecting it. And to begin to say, should this be an expectation of mine? Is this a desire that's rooted in godliness? Is this something that I've grown to demand that's a good thing for me? Or should I surrender it? And the greatest, the greatest gifts that you've ever received were surprises. There were gifts that you didn't expect. Not the ones that you took back the next day. Not the ones that you exchanged for cash. But the ones that you still have. That you were like, I can't believe that you did this for me kind of thing. And those are the gifts that God gives. Here's a final thought. Our expectations are revealed in our response to the gifts that we receive. That's why, that's why some of you may stand in front of a mirror and practice your response because you don't want to offend somebody. Baby, do I really look excited? Watch. Oh, I love it. No, a little too fake. Okay, let me try again. The way you respond to things in life, it reveals your expectations. And when God sends something your way, and you respond like, it simply reveals that you had an expectation that didn't align with his will for your life. It's not something you should be punished over. It's something that we need to grow into. For Mary and Joseph, it was the son of God that would enter the world to be the king whose throne would never be taken away. That he rules forevermore. And they had the incredible opportunity to be the earthly mother and father to King Jesus. In hindsight, I'm sure they looked back and they were so incredibly grateful for that opportunity. But when presented with it, they resisted it. And Joseph almost missed out. He was just so close to missing out altogether on all that God had for him.
But God did more through them than they ever expected. See, our expectations can limit God's impact in our life. And I want to end with one of my favorite scriptures. It's Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. And Paul says this to the church at Ephesus, Now to him who is able, speaking of God, to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Did you know that God is able to do immeasurably more than all you could ask or imagine? So if you were to make a list, this is all I want for Christmas, that list would limit his gift-giving ability in your life. It would stifen the blessings that he would want to pour on to you because it would be far less than he desires to give you. He can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, but here's the kicker, according to his power that is at work within us. And when we begin to surrender our expectations and allow his power that's at work within us to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, He says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know what I want for your life? You know what I want for my life? It's for him to receive glory in us, the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And that happens by his power that's at work within us us surrendering our expectations, us letting go of some desires that dominate our thinking, and us allowing him to give what he desires to give in our lives. This Christmas, we are blessed. And we have opportunity to receive from God immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. And if you're like me and you're a dreamer, that seems pretty impossible. Because I'll be honest with you, I ask for a lot. But I'm learning. I'm learning to temper my expectations to his power that's at work within me. And not allow the expectations to overshadow the desires that I have. Let me pray for you. Lord, you are incredible at gift giving. There's never been a giver of gifts that even compares to you. And the gifts that you give, Father, are life-changing. They're life-giving. They bring such joy and peace and hope to our lives. And my prayer this Christmas season is that we would surrender our expectations that are rooted in demands for desires to you and allow you to give us gifts that you desire to give us. And I pray that we would learn to be grateful for all the blessings that you've already given us that may be overshadowed by things that we still want. But when we look around and examine our lives, we can be grateful for all that you're giving us. I pray that our desires wouldn't limit you. I pray that our desires wouldn't stop us from enjoying a gift or embracing a gift that you give us. And when you do something in our life that's unexpected... I pray that our response wouldn't be rooted in unmet expectations, but it would be rooted 
and open hands that are ready to receive whatever it is that you want to give us. And so I ask you, Father, to give your people good gifts. I ask you, Father, to bless this church. I ask you, Father God, to unleash a wave of favor upon your people that would be immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to your power that is at work within us. And Father, to you be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And together we said, Amen.